I'm Sarah. I'm Caitlin. Two women discussing all things in business. Welcome to She's She's the the Boss. All right. Here we are. So it's just Sarah and Caitlin. Just. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's just us. We're so boring. Yes. No, we wanted to do a podcast occasionally of just the two of us and talking about um, some of the things we've learned and struggled with and dealt with along the way. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times creating a business, not a lot of times, it's usually you at the beginning doing all the work. Yeah. The hustle, right? Where you show up in the day to day and you're literally just trying to get by one day at a time. I was talking to a business owner who is running things solo right now. And she said her biggest struggle right now is just figuring out like a daily routine and just getting by day to day. And I was like, yes, I feel that me 10 years ago was exactly in that spot of like, I don't even know what's coming in the next day. I don't know what I'm going to get a workout in. Oh gosh, I have to figure out this kid's baseball practice, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's hard. Well, and then eventually once you've been in business for about a year, you'll not, you'll have a daily routine, a weekly routine and a yearly routine. And Mm -hmm. you can start mapping and keeping a scope and sequence of all of those things that you need to get done and then reevaluate and reassess and say, okay, I should have started working on this sooner, or I did this too soon to Mm -hmm. where it sat and didn't get as much traction as I wanted. Um, But one of the things is once you're really into business is deciding who to bring on how you know how to hire people, how you know how to vet them, um, and what people to put in what positions. Right. Yeah. And and the onboarding process is so crucial to creating a great company culture. So we've developed a lot of practices through trial and error, um, (laughs) through trying to reinvent the wheel mostly rather than uh, connecting with somebody in the beginning to teach me how to do it. Uh, but we've come up with a really seamless process now to be able to bring on people who are going to be the right fit for the right position and to train them appropriately to that position. I think for so long, we would hire people on. We really liked them. They were so great in their interview. And then we put them on the job. We did on the job training, shadow this teacher. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, why weren't you doing it that way? why that teacher showed you how to shut down the classroom and I, why aren't you doing it that way? Oh, well they showed me one time. Okay. Is there a checklist? Is there something to refer to? What am I supposed to do? How do I know? Am I just supposed to go off memory? So there's all these processes and procedures that have to be put into place in order to effectively train somebody. Right. And how many years into your business do you think it took you to really create that process? Uh, the process that we have now Mm -hmm. took about six years to start and it's been refined many times along the way. That's what I was asking because I'm on year six Mm -hmm. of the business and I feel like that's about like one of the points of growth that you're like, wow, I can't be doing all of this and I can't be the one training people and all the little logistical things that you can find a way to streamline and present to everyone. And one of the reasons that I'm been talking to you about this is because 
usually I bring in people all at the same time. And that's kind of how you would do with a school too. Like, Hey, we need to hire these teachers, but now I'm having more people like trickle in at odd times mm-hmm. that I don't have devoted to training people. Cause I'm like, we train in August mm-hmm. right. <laughs> when we launch the season. So having those systems in place to be able to train people, no matter when they come in and teach them the things. Um, one of the big things for me is not just hiring teachers, but hiring people to take over departments and different aspects of the business. And that'll look different for everybody, depending on what their business is. Um, but like I just hired a music director to handle all the music teachers, Mm -hmm. all the parent communication, Mm -hmm. um, all of the recitals, because I don't need to be at everything. I mean, I want to be at everything to show that I care and support, but the more you grow, the more you have to delegate out and take care of yourself. Yes. So, and those are things that once you have those systems in place, you can give to those people in the leadership position of, Hey, I just hired a new music teacher. Please reach out to them and do this onboarding process. Right. Yeah. And I think that most business owners I talk to all of my coaching clients right now, the, one of their biggest challenges is hiring and then keeping the good staff on and making sure that they follow policies and procedures. Uh, So the mindset piece, I think, comes before any of that. I've heard a million times, uh, you know, nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to work. And I can't find anybody. People won't show up to interviews. And so if we continue that and we continue the scarcity mindset of nobody wants to work and people aren't going to show up for interviews and this generation and all these things. And while a lot of that may be true as far as the generate generational thing, uh, a lot of it's not true and continue the mindset and you're going to get exactly what you are expecting. Mm-hmm. So I learned probably four or five years ago that I was going to adopt the mindset of, um, there are plenty of people who want to work and they want to come work here. We just have to show them how great it is here. Right. And so when I look through Indeed uh, or Facebook Marketplace jobs and I read job descriptions, I'm like, yeah, nobody wants to work there. Right. Based on this job description, this is, sounds like the most boring job in the world. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to know that. <laughs> or I'm looking for, you know, this person who can, what, whatever it is, like, you know, it just arbitrary things where I'm like, what does this even mean? Right. Right. So the first thing that I did was like, okay, we are marketing the school. We are marketing our place of business. What makes it cool to work here? Why would somebody want to come work in this environment? So the first thing that I did was connect with a lot of our staff. Why do you love working here? What is it that makes you want to come to work every day? What do you contribute to this place that makes it an interesting place to work, right? Because I think a lot of times in a community, people want to be a part of it to take. Mm -hmm. What do I get out of this? How about also, (laughs) what do I contribute to this, okay? So that was the first thing I did. Once we figured out, okay, this these are like the top five things that make this place really cool to work. And that's not for me. I could talk all day about what I think is cool and great about our culture, um, which may be true. But if you hear it from your employees, it's a completely different thing. So from there, 
I looked at how we wanted to write a job ad. What is the voice of our business? If we were a law firm, it is going to be written completely differently. It's going to be in the voice of a professional, detail-oriented, very high-end language versus us at the school. We're like a cool, laid-back, community-focused, fun group of women, minus Luke. Loving. Loving, nurturing, um, very supportive group of women. So if I'm looking at, from a marketing angle, how I'm going to write that job ad, it's going to be looking at it through the lens of our business voice. So it's not super formal. No. Boop, boop, boop. It's not robotic. I just did one like that and Facebook blocked it. They said it was discriminatory. Why? I have no idea. Oh, you should look into that. Yeah. I was wondering if it was the targeting that I chose or I, I have no idea why. <laughs> did you, because I know there's like, you know, there's like legal restrictions of, um, you know, you can't say like, oh, I only want males <laughs> or, well, or you have to be yeah. like, you can't be over 65. Yeah. So I didn't say that. But when it says like, who do you want to market to? You can choose male, female, ages. Oh. And so, but it's not like people can see that, but apparently that plays a role into it now because I chose like, you know, females within a certain area, within a certain age mm-hmm. range, cause it's a preschool. Right. And you know, I just figured that was who it would appeal to more if, mm-hmm. if men want to come teach at a preschool, like that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I was just trying to figure the people that it might mostly appeal to in a military community where the majority of men are. Yes. Are, not preschool teachers. Yeah. So I'm like, why am I going to sure. pay money to advertise to these people that won't come work here? Sure. So, but yeah, that's a, a little side note and different aspect that I was like, huh. Oh, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. <laughs> there are so, some guidelines to that. But Absolutely. yeah, t- you know, speaking about, I want somebody that is compassionate, that's loving, that mm-hmm. cares about children, um, and not just like, you must have this degree and do this and do that, because a lot of that stuff is negotiable. And, and some of, the, just because they have a degree doesn't mean, you know, they're the most qualified person. A, a, a thousand million percent agree. Yes. And what I have found recently, a lot of the people coming fresh out of college have an unrealistic expectation about salaries. And so I think that's where some of that mentality that you're talking about is like coming into play because people think, oh, they don't want to work when they have this high salary. But if you are creating an environment that people love to work in, Mm -hmm. then you don't have to worry about that. I have teachers that went off to college, they come back every summer and do internships and all of that for the camps. And now they have graduated college and they've come to work for us. Mm-hmm. And they're, ex- you know, really excited to be on board. Our, our upcoming musical theater and theater teacher, she was in the very first show at our Southern Pines location. So crazy. Yeah. That that much time has gone by. And it's not even that much time. It's like, that's how much you change from like a 15 year old to a 20 year old. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. <laughs> five years. And was, you know, went off to college and now she's coming back to work for us full time. And so it is about, you know, changing your mindset, changing your mentality. You know that what you're offering is a quality job and that speaks to, you know, your retention and the things that that people can see from the outside. Um, and I mean, not, not to brag, but sort of bragging. I've the people that started with me when I knew nothing 
still work for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, they've our, grown with you. Yeah, they've grown with me and because I heard their voice. I let them be part of it. They would give me their ideas and I would empower them. They're like, hey, I'm actually really good at this. Would Mm -hmm. you let me do that? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, our old Irish dance teacher lives in England now and she still works for me. She's military spouse. Military spouse. (laughs) Yep. And she's still like my virtual assistant because she's like, we need to get a better system in place for registration and billing and all of this because I didn't know how rapidly we would grow. So I didn't have that in place. So she had a comfortable place in the work environment for her voice to be heard. And she was getting her master's in logistics. So she has that mind to be able to pay attention to the details and work it. I said, okay, you set it all up (laughs) and she still runs it for me. Yeah. So So when you have people that have a skill set that they're really good at, do not put them in a job that is not going to utilize their skill set. Do not try and make them something that they are not. Right. And that's one of the big things that we learned in our hiring practice is like, <laughs> oh, they're this personality. So we have people take the Enneagram. Shocking. I know, guys. I know. <laughs> what is that? I've never heard you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we have them take it from before they even have an interview in person with us, because we want to know how you view the world, what your strengths are going to be and what your challenges. It's not the end all be all. Of course, we don't judge you completely you're off not like of that. Oh, you're a six. Yeah. This thing. Right. Work. You can't work for us. No, <laughs> ne- never. There, there's a specific job for every skill set. And so it's a matter of knowing how people view the world so you can communicate with them. And every interview is going to be somewhat different based on the job that you have available and also how this person views the world. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to have to ask in Enneagram 9 different questions than you're going to ask in Enneagram 3. You're going to get probably straightforward, upfront, blunt answers with a three, and they're going to be focused on different things in the interview versus a nine, who is the peacemaker, who oftentimes you have to ask, what do you think about this? Where usually with a three, you don't have to ask that. You're already going to know. They're going to just tell you. They're going to tell you like it is. (laughs) Same with a one. I will let you know how I feel about this. (laughs) Right. So back to writing an effective job ad, it has to be viewed as marketing your company. It is not any different. You are not telling people what you need. You are saying, here is this incredible environment. Do you want to be a part of this? And once we switched that, Indeed has been blowing up for us. We have so many interviews that it's like, it's insane. Uh, Now, do, does everybody show up for their phone interview? No. And that's fine because those are not our people, right? Mm-hmm. Reliability right off the bat. Yep. <laughs> so you apply through Indeed and then we have a short little message about, you know, what were you interested in in this position? What caught your eye? They respond back. We schedule a 15 minute phone interview where they call us. Yep. So you're going to you're going to see right off the bat, are they on time? Are they reliable? Are they going to email you 20 minutes later and say, Hey, I totally forgot. Can we reschedule? This is your first impression. Right. Right. So when they call on time, great check mark for you. 
right? Great conversation as far as um, values questions. It's not necessarily about your qualifications. Yes, we want to know that, but that is not the meat and potatoes of the conversation. Who are you as a human? What do you value? It may seem outwardly that that has nothing to do with the position that we're hiring for. And I think that's what a lot of people say once they are onboarded is like, this is so different than any other position that I've gone through the hiring process for. Mm-hmm. And we're like, yes, because you are a human. Yes. You are not a robot who we are going to program to do this specific job. So once we do a 15 minute interview and we're feeling the, the jive in of the energies, <laughs> do our values match? Do, were you on time? All of those things. Um, then you get to come in in person. And that's when you do the Enneagram. Uh, that's when you meet with different people in the business. So we have different people who communicate with you and have different perspectives on how you showed up. Um, and then we collectively make a decision and decide if the position that we're hiring for is the appropriate position for this plethora of people. What we have also learned is that sometimes you don't have to hire for a specific position in our industry. We can hire you as a sub and see where you will fit in. That's what I do a lot. I have some people that I'm like, mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure. Um, I don't really have anything to offer you right now, but I do really like you. Sure. <laughs> so will you come be a sub? Um, and I've also made you know choices where I'm like, well, maybe just to get them in the door, I can have them work the front desk. And sometimes that is not the right thing to do. So I, yeah, we've had issues like that too. Like, Oh wait, your personality does not fit what this job needs. Yeah. Okay. That was the wrong decision, but it's like, you get so excited about some people because they do really align with you that you want to bring them in, but you just have to make sure you don't start them off in the wrong position. And, and I try and tell our teachers that too, like, don't, don't get discouraged. I really want to find a place for you here at this time. I don't really have anything to Mm -hmm. offer. Um, like I said, we have a lot, I mean, we have turnover because of the military, but once teachers are in with us, I don't really have anybody quit and yeah. they're like, I don't want to leave. And our dance recitals are a whole bunch of tears and yeah, all of that. Um, yeah, it's tricky in a military community, mm-hmm. uh, especially because we've had a lot of teachers actually say, Oh, I'm so grateful you gave me a chance because a lot of places I interviewed with, once they found out I was a military spouse, it kind of, the first question they asked was, how long are you going to be here? And then I never got a call back, right? So they can't say for sure it was because they were a military spouse because actually you can't do that um, legally. But, you know, oftentimes it's really hard for military spouses to get a job because they are so transient Mm -hmm. and to invest in somebody and train them appropriately and pour into them is time and energy and money. It's sometimes a hard pill to swallow when you have somebody for nine months and then they go. Right. But you have to think of the bigger picture. Yes. First of all, it is military, so it can change. So if you invest in this person and they think they're leaving, they might not always leave. Sure. Or then their husband will get invited to go to a school that keeps them here another year or take a different career path. So that might happen. So you don't want to just, you know, shoot them off because of that. But also the bigger picture, you are Mm -hmm. doing something to help somebody. Yes. You are equipping somebody. You're giving them the opportunity. And I have a teacher this year, same thing. She's like, hey, we're going to be moving in October. 
And I was like, that's fine. You still do your summer camps. She's like, well, I, I hate to like take the space of new incoming teachers. And I'm like, but we value you. Mm -hmm. Guess what? It just got changed to March. Yeah. And she's like, (laughs) I'm so glad I didn't leave. (laughs) Yes. And so then she's now like, well, I hate to take classes you know, for the season, if the classes go through June. So I assume I'm just going to be one of your subs. And I'm like, no, we value you. Mm -hmm. You still have something that you can give up until you leave. Does it stink that you're going to leave three months before recital? Absolutely. But you just spent all those months helping these students, mentoring them, teaching them, because side note for us, our studio and dance isn't just about how much you grow in dance, but as a person. And so I want to keep that person in that place, even though I know they can't commit till June, because that's not the priority for me. By by then they're going to know their dances and we can have another one of our wonderful teachers or somebody new come in um, and take over those things. And it always works out, but yeah, you have to think of the bigger picture and see them as people that you're pouring into Mm -hmm. And they're not just an employee. Right. We don't even use the word employee. We use team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's a symbiotic relationship, right? Mm -hmm. They have so much to give to the legacy of your business, our business. And then subsequently, the ripple effect that them being there then has on their lives and their families and their spouses and wherever they go work next, we know we've equipped them with so much experience and information and knowledge. And for us, a lot of personal development stuff for our staff, uh, that that's going to go make a difference in the rest of their lives and in wherever they go next. And so I think when you get to a place where you're not just trying to hire just to hire and get by the day to day, and you're more on like the legacy level of like, what does this look like long-term? What's the, what's the, long-term vision, it is about, oh my gosh, we have had this many teachers and now they live all over the country, possibly all over the world. And they're able to share the things that they learned here and contribute to their community. Right. So it's, it's way bigger than just our little 13 acres in the woods, you know, the ripple effect that we have because we're a military community is so much greater than I probably ever imagined it would be. Um, But that comes with the abundance mindset. And if it was a scarcity mindset, it would be like, oh, we have to train another person. Right. And sometimes it's going to take sacrificing certain things you want to do or want to offer. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can't just bring somebody on board because you're like, I have to do this class or I have to have this program. Sometimes you have to give up programs because you can't find the right person. Mm -hmm. And so you have to always go back to your values of, is this person that I'm bringing in, do they have the same values as us? And if not, then it's not worth it. Like you cannot always look at the dollar signs for it because, um, you know, if you lose a whole program, but you bring in a bad person, you're going to lose people. So, which is your time and your energy. Right. (laughs) And it just changes the culture and the environment between your customers, the staff and the leadership. And unfortunately, you know, we all learn that the hard way, even, even still. So, um, that's a whole nother topic is about when to let people go. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if we want to dive into that right now, but I am, 
I'm more to the point now of following my gut on mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I think there has to be, you know, a, a process of coaching first and uh, getting curious. I like to get curious with employees when they're not following some of the standards that we have set and find out what the root of the issue is so we right. can coach them on that and see how we can support them and then the expectation still is what it is. And then if it continues to happen, once you've come up with a plan to support them, then it becomes a different situation, right? And like you said, values. Right. And a lot of times there's things you don't know until you have that conversation. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, oh, nope, you're fired. A lot of times- You can, you can be. Well, you can, <laughs> but then you're not creating that culture and then you're not giving people opportunity to grow either. And a lot of people that we bring on, we are able to work through any type of issue. And in the long term, they're so appreciative and um, needed that mentorship. Sometimes it's an issue going on at home Mm -hmm. you don't know about. I have one issue where I'm like, hey, I sent all of this to you in emails multiple times. I didn't know that they have dyslexia. Sure. (laughs) And it's like, I'm sorry. I have trouble processing stuff in writing. Oh, I had no idea. Right. Okay. From now on, here's my office hours. If we need to talk through something, you can call me during these times Mm -hmm. and I will be available to talk through it with Mm -hmm. you. And it's just those small things that can easily be resolved or people, you you can't always just text stuff. Yeah. We've talked about this. Yes. And so in communication, you know, that is another thing that's come across through some of these conversations of like, this person's not really performing the way that I expect. And they're like, well, your texts come across really harsh. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't realize I was trying to clearly communicate. Mm-hmm. I'm a one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm just clear up front. Hey, can be blunt communication. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's because I'm trying to be clear and concise. Right. So I'm not like, Hope you're having a great day. Mm-hmm. You deserve a massage. By the way, did you send the email that I asked you to yeah. send? Yeah. I just get straight to the point. Hey, uh-huh. I was wondering if you sent the email. And they're like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. Uh-huh. And so it's learning how to best communicate with each person. And then before you fire them, say, is there a way that we can help you succeed in this? Or is there a different position mm-hmm. we can put you in? Mm-hmm what are you struggling with? And you're like, Oh, I should not have put them at the front desk <laughs> right? because they're not good at taking notes or mm-hmm. they're not good at, you know, multitasking or whatever it may yeah. be. Yeah. Is it a training issue or is it a values and personality issue that cannot be taught? It cannot be trained essentially. Mm-hmm. And there are certain people that we've hired where it's just not a good personality fit for the values that we have, because as a teammate and a team member, we make decisions through the lens of our company values. And if you have been coached on certain things and you continue to make the same decisions that are not in line with the company values, then there is a point where you are re-gifted to the universe because you are capable of doing another job. It is just not with us. Right. There is a compassionate and ethical way to let somebody go because we have to remember that 
people are human beings with feelings and they're going to have to go back to their life and get another job. It's not about ruining someone's reputation or, um, you know, not writing them a a letter or whatever it is. And I used to be of the mindset of like, (laughs) okay, so you, you know, you're fired from us. No, you're not getting any sort of letter of recommendation. And the more compassionate side would say, what actually is this, what is this person actually good at? Right. And can we write them a letter of recommendation for those things that they're really good at? And I believe the answer is yes. I think you could do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I haven't always been that way. I've very much been like, oh, yeah, you're gone. Moving on. And that's the bad side of the three is like, oh, well, see you later. Nice knowing you. Yeah. And so in my evolution with some coaching and our director being a, an Enneagram nine, which is the peacemaker seeing both sides of it has coached me through that. Like, what would it look like if we did this? And I'm like, Oh, this makes so much more sense. This is part of our values in treating people with integrity and compassion. This makes sense. And in letting people go, it's the little things of like, how do you want us to let the team know that, you're no longer here, giving them a say and kind of how that goes. If you can, right. If it's not something egregious, sometimes you just have to fire people and cut it off. You write no letter, you do nothing. Right. And you have zero communication and that is valid for really egregious things. Right. Um, but oftentimes it's like, especially when you get to this level and you've cultivated a really beautiful and supportive, amazing team, oftentimes it's like, well, you're just not quite to this level, you know, and we've coached you and you can't get there. And so off you go, you know, and asking them those little things. How do you want us to let the team know? How do you want us to let the families know? Uh, And giving them some sort of say, would you like us to go get your things or are you more comfortable going to get your things? Just little things like that, because human beings have feelings. Right. You know, it's, it's just part of being a compassionate business owner Mm -hmm. is practicing some of these things. Right. And I think it's fair to have those conversations with people and it's not easy to have the hard conversations of why you're letting them go, especially when you've already tried the coaching, you've already tried mentoring them. It's still not working. You've built a relationship with them. So you do care about them Uh as a person. But like you said, the mentality for us, it's a team. It's a studio. How does all of this fit together Mm -hmm. and work together? Mm -hmm. And if you as an individual are making decisions on your own, that doesn't fit that. It affects everybody else. Yeah. So uh, it's like you, you do still have to let them go because it's not working but you've spent so much time trying to help and coach and guide this person. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some people that no matter how much you do for them or how much you help them, they're still going to leave and talk bad about you. And that is one of the hardest things for me about being um, a business owner and leadership is because I am that one. It has to look perfect from the outside Mm -hmm. and the inside too. Like I want it to be perfect and it breaks my heart. If anything slips through the cracks, if somebody doesn't feel appreciated, if somebody, you know, is out there saying anything negative, like I get so fixated on that in an unhealthy way. And you just have to remember that you did everything that you could, but if you have the proper hiring process and training process, you should typically catch that earlier. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I've 
I've learned even over the past year. You can't just hire someone because you really want to be able to offer this. Sometimes you have to say, I'm going to let this go Mm -hmm. in my business. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to have this in my business anymore because having the right person that aligns with what we're, you know, trying to achieve here in our goals and values is more important than having this program. Yeah. And oftentimes in that onboarding process, you will see those red flags for lack of better term, where you're like, Ooh, this might not align the way that they brought that thing up or the way that they said that to that person or that client. Is this going to be a thing where it's simply just that is their way of communicating and it's going to take a lot of coaching to bring them up to the the level that we expect? Or is this something that we're going to have to decide like, oh, no, we're going to have to cut this off before we invest any more time and energy, you know, and it takes a lot of discernment. But if you can, if we can, I can, uh, you know, have this hiring process and onboarding process that states everything up front and brings them into the culture immediately, we have videos. We have, um, you know, it's me on video connecting with these new hires, talking about our culture, talking about the expectations, talking about what they can expect from our leadership team. Um, so it pulls them into the fold pretty immediately Mm -hmm. and you will see who's on board with that and who's not right pretty quickly. Uh, but then you have to realize sometimes stuff happens in life that changes people too. mm -hmm. And so it's like, Stuff is just going to happen and you have to be prepared. And um, we have an employee who got COVID and super sick, but it changed their blood pressure Mm. so much that their entire personality became different. Wow. Yeah. And because they had no patience, like lost time management skills. Because like, can you just imagine like all of a sudden having this immediate anxiety because you have high blood pressure all the time that they can't get regulated and dude, that sucks. Yeah. And so it's like the compassion side of me. I'm like, man, I really don't want to let them go. So hard when you're trying to make those types of decisions in an echo chamber where you're really only talking to yourself to figure it out. Right. (laughs) You know, this is why you know, we have text messages back and forth to each other and why we're going to create this. She's the boss social community because we need to be able to have these conversations because it's not always black and white. There's so much discernment that comes into play when you are a business owner and a leader. Mm -hmm. Not every situation is the same. Even if they did the same thing, they broke the same standard. It's still not the same situation because they're different people. Right. And so it's like, yes, have standards, have expectations. And then also know that on the other side of that, you're going to have to use so much discernment in how you go about coaching and how you communicate with this person. That's why you've got to know who they are and how they view the world, you know, and you have to have people who you can ask their feedback about certain situations without giving all the details and everything. But it's hard. It's really hard making these decisions, uh, especially on the firing side and the coaching side. And when you write somebody up and how many write-ups do you do before you let somebody go? You know, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing. It's, (laughs) I joke all the time. Everybody wants a leadership position. They want to climb the ladder. I've had multiple employees say, I want your job. And I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) I joke all the time. We, um, we just had, you know, a 
our curriculum specialist had a parent meeting and, you know, that's like the quote dark side of the job, right? When you have an unhappy parent with a child who has some challenges in the classroom and we're working through them with a behavior modification process and we need to both be on the same page and the parents are unhappy and they want us to do more and we don't have the resources. And, you know, we were talking about this meeting yesterday and I, we were done with the meeting and I stood up and I looked at all of them and I'm like, this is the glamorous part of the position. And this is why you guys are all here. You know, we all start <laughs> laughing because almost everybody who comes on is like, at some point they want to climb the ladder. They want this more responsibility. They want, you know, the title of whatever it is, director, director of community, all these things. And I'm like, half of your job is really sucky. Yeah. And if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to hate this job. You're going to hate it. Yeah. Because oftentimes it sucks. <laughs> That's what I told our music director. Cause she's like, why, you know, we need to do this. We need to do that. And I'm like, I know, but if they don't listen, like, what do you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And, um, people get really excited when I offer them a promotion. So I have to like be realistic too. Sure. Hey, I would like for you to take this role, but I want you to know, these are some of the challenges that come with it. Here's how you're going to have to set up boundaries mm-hmm. and set up boundaries with me too. Like mm-hmm. I emailed her the other day and she wrote me back. She's like, well, I'm on vacation, but I can work on it when I get back to my hotel room. And I said, uh, no, right. That's <laughs> not the expectation. No. Yeah. I was like, you can work on it when you get back and you are clocked in or on your working hours. Yeah. I forgot she was on vacation this mm-hmm. week. And so I'm like, no, you also need to set the boundaries with me that I'm telling you to set with staff members. Mm-hmm. And because I might just be thinking about it at that point and I don't want to forget and we need to have a healthy lifestyle in order to be in the leadership position, because if you're not healthy, your discernment's going to be off as well. Sure. And you're not going to make the right decisions. You'll react instead of respond. Been there. Yep. <laughs> All the time. And, and that was one of my biggest learning lessons is, um, there was a certain situation that went on a few years ago and I was immediately triggered in the moment. It had to do with gossiping and I was taken back to my middle school self where I had the worst middle school experience because I was bullied a lot. Um, and you know, teachers talking about each other was really triggering for me. And I responded, reacted in a way that I was not proud of. And then I had to take responsibility for my behavior and the way that I raised my voice. And I went to each individual person and apologized. And that was hard for me to do, but ultimately humanizes me. And has never happened since. (laughs) So it's a good learning lesson, but you have to model that behavior. I have to model that behavior if I want them to operate in the same way. Cause listen, everybody is going to mess up. We are human beings. We are going to mess up. We are going to react. We are going to say the wrong thing. We're going to say something in the wrong tone and to acknowledge it and take responsibility and then apologize and move forward and try not to do it again is the only way to lead, I think. Right. And let stuff sit overnight too, mm-hmm. because your perspective the following day will be different than in the moment. And I even train my staff. I think I've said this on the podcast before to use the terms. I can tell you're upset. I will contact my manager and she will be contacting you tomorrow mm-hmm. or next time she comes into the office. And a lot of times by the time you contact them, You've had time to rework it in your brain, be realistic, 
not react emotionally, and they've had time to settle down. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if you just respond in the moment, it's just, it can escalate it. Um, but I'm the type, I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. I need to explain this. I need to explain all my reasons behind it. And I give way too much information. And then it makes me look defensive Mm. when really I'm trying to like make them understand that I had good intentions. So yeah, being able to like step back and reevaluate it and give yourself time to do that. If you're not in an industry where it's a medical emergency, if you're not in the ER, if you're not in the ER and it's not a medical emergency, there's no reason to react immediately within that time period. Unless you are emotionally dysregulated. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that that is most of America. Right. <laughs> right. I hate to say it, but in order to be an effective leader, you have to have so much self-awareness and know how to regulate your nervous system and your emotions. That doesn't mean you don't mess up. You still will. Right. But 95% of the time you will be able to stay in control of your response Mm -hmm. if you are emotionally regulated and have the mindset and the tools to practice in order to keep yourself somewhat calm. And it's not easy. And that's why it's important to have that person to, to balance you out. So when you're even sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to go make this phone call. And it's like, um, you haven't eaten yet. Mm-hmm. So why don't you eat first? Mm-hmm. You know, just even the small things like that of having people um, balance you out in your life, whether it's your spouse or, you know, one of your leaders within your business. It's just so important. But stepping back and taking that time to reflect, to be able to make the right decisions about hiring, setting the culture within the business and firing is so important. So hopefully this has been helpful. Yeah, so much information. We're like, here, let us tell you all the things that are on our brain right this second. (laughs) Yes, but hopefully it was helpful so that people don't have to learn the hard way like us sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Just innovate it. Just innovate it. That's right. All right. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Bye.